Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 76 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Matt Farlett, one of Australia's pioneering social entrepreneurs. Matt Farlett is helping to shape regional and rural Australia through igniting entrepreneurship in young people and their communities. Matt started his first social enterprise in 1993 at the age of 23, working with at-risk young people in wilderness settings. His passion and drive for positive social outcomes saw him receive the prestigious Young Australian of the Year Award in 1996. Motivated by a desire to create prosperous, healthy, thriving communities, in 2016, as co-founder and CEO of the Australian Centre for Rural Entrepreneurship, or ACRE, Matt led a $2.5 million community buyback of the old Beechworth Jail, a neglected Australian heritage icon famed for its connection to Ned Kelly and the Kelly Gang and located in Matt's hometown. The site is being repurposed as an exemplar of social enterprise, impact investment and rural rejuvenation through community-owned assets. In partnership with Scotland's world-leading Social Enterprise Academy, ACRE operates the Social Enterprise Academy Australia, centred on training young people and communities to build sustainable enterprises and achieve greater social impact. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Matt's views on the current state of the social enterprise sector in Australia. We'll get Matt's insights and perspective on rural social innovation opportunities And we'll hear what Matt believes can be done by governments and social entrepreneurs to create stronger opportunities for youth. Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure, Tom. It's great to be here. So to kick things off, Matt, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to working in the social enterprise sector? Yeah, so I started my professional career as an outdoor educator and found myself working for big government programs and uh, in the late 80s uh, progressively they started closing down and I felt that the work we're doing was incredibly impactful but expensive and so found myself in a position where uh, in order to kind of keep going with this work I started my own not-for-profit organization Mm. and I was really determined not to be relying on government funds because of what I'd seen happening around me. And so as a result, I decided that, you know, really this is a community solution we're looking to for, for young people who are experiencing significant difficulties in their lives. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if we took a community solution to the funding as well? So hmm. we developed a number of initiatives, uh, which we now call social enterprises. Yep. Uh, they weren't termed that back in the day, but it was uh, like a furniture business where we sold uh, an heirloom furniture range. So we were doing bookcases and foyer furniture and really high-end stuff for uh, the corporate and community market. Mm. And we were also doing a bush furniture range that was supported by the participants in our program and we're selling them in Melbourne at the South Bank market. And what I realised now was that that was social enterprise and a real calling card for 
being entrepreneurial and self-determining that actually encouraged a whole heap of partnerships that became really our long-term funders in the end. Mm. Yeah, really, really interesting projects there. And that's obviously led on to what you're doing now. So as the CEO of the Australian Centre for Rural Entrepreneurship, could you please tell us a bit more about the aims of this organisation and the types of projects you're involved in now? Yeah, so really what led to uh, the Australian Centre for Rural Entrepreneurship starting was that you know, while, it's, while it's great to be in a not-for-profit organisation, you're still, at the end of the day, relying on, on donations and grants. Mm. And I found that incredibly exhausting. When I left the organisation that I'd founded in 2013, I realised that we had 15 full-time staff and I was still relying on grants and donations and it was exhausting in no way to kind of scale growth yeah. and impact. Yeah. And at the same time, I was being encouraged to be a mentor for a whole heap of young people across rural and regional Australia who had great, great ideas to start new initiatives. And quite frankly, I was quite burnt out and depressed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until a couple of years later that I started to realise that, you know what, what, what I think is incredibly important is that we do start to find a vehicle for encouraging young people with their ideas to, to get into, from ideas to activation. I didn't know what that looked like, mm. but at the same time, I was starting to really engage with the emerging social enterprise movement that was, that was gathering momentum in the Northern Hemisphere. And I thought, oh my gosh, this might be a way of actually creating a sustainable model by which you can you can create this impact you're looking for. And, and, and I remember a time when I thought, you know what, my career legacy really should be that young people get an opportunity to, um, with their great ideas, to, to turn them into action. And, mm. and really that was how Acre was born. Fantastic. So Acre is based at the Old Beechworth Jail, which is a project which you've led since 2013. So how has this space evolved since then and how are the community involved? Yeah, so 2013 was a really critical time because uh, even though I'd had the idea for Acre in about 2003, um, in 2013, I teamed up with a local entrepreneur in Beechworth, a guy called Clayton Neal, who's who's our co-founder. Yeah. And, and Clayton comes from a cycle tourism background. And we were talking about the opportunity that Beechworth and our broader region has in the Southern Hemisphere around cycle tourism and also that kind of industry development role for cycling. Mm. And so in doing that, we decided that what was really important around uh, the future of rural entrepreneurship is to create models that are really quite tangible. And the community buyback of the Beechworth Jail is, is that big kind of hairy, scary tangible example of where we can take a an asset that's been sitting there dormant in a community yeah. and we can reimagine it with entrepreneurship and in doing so create that that kind of demonstration side if you like that that really that really kind of resonates with rural people my, my experience of growing up and working and, and living in rural communities my entire life is that Australian people have a really strong bullshitometer and, and what I mean by that is that, you know, we hear stuff in rural Australia and we don't really believe it. It's only when we can kind of see it and touch it and feel it that we go, oh, okay, this stuff's real and, and yeah. I can engage with this. And, and I think that's how behavioural change happens. And so mm. um, really what we're trying to do with repurposing the old Beechworth jail is to 
to prove up that concept that communities can take ownership of their assets and repurpose them to be vibrant hubs that, that do do become the anchors for uh, you know their future economy, their social capital building, and and also the, the you know the creative industries development. Mm. Yeah, it's some really exciting opportunities uh, for that rural area. That's for sure. So in 2013, Matt, you were awarded a Churchill Fellowship to study youth entrepreneurship programs and and social enterprise models in rural communities in the UK, in Canada, and the US. So, I mean, that was a great opportunity, but what were your key takeaways from that fellowship and how did what you learned change the way that you approach your work? Yeah, great, great question. The things that the key takeaways from going to the US, Canada, England and Scotland was for all of them, you've got to start young. Yeah. So for all of them around youth entrepreneurship, it, it was starting as early as possible. So in, in some programs I visited, there were four-year-olds starting to learn entrepreneurial concepts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it needs to be experiential. So it's kind of that continuous development of learning that becomes embedded in your, in your culture. Mm. And it's not just programmatic. It's about building a culture and a community about this sort of stuff. Um, I asked a, a person in the, in the US and Nebraska, why does it need to be experiential? And they said, well, name me one person that's ever won an Olympic gold medal by reading a book. You know, this yeah. is... You know, entrepreneurship is an action. It's it's something you've got to develop and hone and 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 keep practicing and training your entire life. And mm. I, and that and that really kind of made sense to me. And so the places that had really really creating the most impact is where the communities involved and all sectors are involved. And and what I now understand is that there's about 90 years of innovation research where a a physical region has been innovative over a sustained period of time. Mm. And the only common ingredient as to why they've been able to sustain that innovation is because their business, government, community and education leaders are working together on a plan. And really that's the big takeaway that I got from the, the Churchill was that you know, it's not just about programs, it's about bringing those people along for the ride. And so the way kind of ACRE has interpreted some of the things that we've learned from overseas is that we're starting young. Uh, the programs that we're running start in primary schools. Pretty much for us, it's around grade five and go right through uh, into secondary and VCAL and all those sorts of things yeah. because we know that rural people agree only on two things. One is they agree on opportunities for young people and the only other thing they ever agree on is the place where they live. Mm. So regardless of whether you're a business uh, influencer in your community or a creative or a, a government leader, you can agree that your place is something that you care about and, and want to thrive in the future. Mm. And we believe what we're doing is we're supporting those cross-sector leaders to build that enabling environment in yeah. their local area and at the same time bringing bringing young people through uh, to have a generation that sees themselves as job creators in the future, not just job seekers. Mm. So combining those two things, we think, is the secret ingredient for communities to reimagine themselves from within. So it's not a fly-in-fly-out scenario. It's just really looking through a different lens at what local communities really care about and, and, and what they want to reimagine and repurpose. Mm, there's some really nice insights there. So how do you see this rural social entrepreneurship climate changing in the next five years then? There's certainly a groundswell at community level 
So we won a contract recently to deliver Understanding Social Enterprise two-day workshops, yep. which is a kind of a day one theory and, and business models and day two field trip and practice. Excellent. And, and by deliberately curating those workshops where business leaders and community and government education leaders are learning together, you're starting to realise that they already understand that if they keep doing the same things they've already done, their decline is not just going to continue, it's going to continue more rapidly. Mm. So there is that goodwill and that desire to try something different, but most, but we don't have the, the kind of infrastructure or the support mechanisms around communities yet to do so. Mm. So that's kind of partly our role is to kind of support those communities and particularly those kind of key influence in, influences in those communities to kind of crack on and do this sort of stuff. And all the information's out there, albeit the government's really slow to the table around this stuff. So a lot of a lot of our sort of support is coming from what we've understood from, from our practice over the last 30 years, but also from models that we're, we're engaging from overseas. So mm. for example, ACRE is the Australian agent for the Social Enterprise Academy learning programs out of Scotland. Mm, now fantastic. that that, um, that organisation's been going for 12 years. It was set up by the social enterprise sector in Scotland and it's doing an amazing work and is now replicated into nine countries. Yeah. And the great thing about that model is is that the, the principles behind the learning programs are also so kind of universal in terms of peer-to-peer -peer learning, um, using a strength-based kind of position to come from. But what happens in every country is it's reinterpreted with a local cultural context. So mm. we've been working with those guys for the last three years and developing up uh, accredited local facilitators to start delivering you know, right across Victoria. And it's very, very exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really exciting for you guys and, and the broader communities that get access to that education. So in interacting with a number of different social entrepreneurs on a daily basis then, what do you see as the most important traits of a social entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it's that dogged determination mm. and kind of authentic passion around an identified problem they're trying to solve. There are a lot of solutions out there looking for a problem. Yeah. And I think where people can cut through and, and are seen as authentic and determined, then the rest of the stuff can almost come in around them. If if the person is really trustworthy, is is can can bring people in. So it's not just an ego ego exercise, yeah. but it's about genuinely trying to solve a problem. I think the appetite of rural Australia is really strong to start putting some backing around these social entrepreneurs who mm. probably up until the last five years ago have been those kind of considered as the oddballs or the or the nutters in our communities yeah. because they actually see the world differently. And so the new currency that those people have got through social entrepreneurship being seen as a as a valid lever for change is pretty exciting. But you've got to have that determination. You've got to be there to really learn the things you need to learn to actually uh, help solve the problem. You've got to be adaptable uh, and you've got to be bilingual. You've got to be able to learn the the processes and practices and disciplines of business and the muscle of business yeah. whilst also understanding 
the levers that relate to your field of influence around what you're trying to impact. Mm. You've got to be the real deal in both. And that tension uh, and holding that tension and the complexities of that tension is also a, a really, really key skill for a su- successful social entrepreneur. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. I think there's a lot to learn from that. And Matt, just earlier, you, you spoke about government being a little bit slow to the table within this sector. So that's just something I'd like to explore a little bit further. I mean, when looking at social enterprise from a policy perspective in Australia, what do you believe are the key steps that government need to take to help foster and support an innovative social sector? Yeah, so we understand in business that we need to have things like advice and support, we need to have learning and development programs, we need to have networks, we need to have access to capital. But for some reason, we have a blind spot so far in relation to social enterprise. But social enterprise needs exactly the same things as business. Mm. And so it needs to be treated seriously as a sector because over time it's going to save the governments of all persuasions huge amounts of, of money by social entrepreneurs unlocking business models that become sustainable in supporting previously marginalised and disadvantaged people into real meaningful kind of connection and belonging and, and work in their communities. Mm. And so uh, the Victorian state government is is the only one, in my to my knowledge, that has actually got a strategy in place, let alone a policy, a strategy just to say, okay, these are the things that we would do if we were going to do something. Yeah. You know, there is no excuse for government in not knowing how to sort of activate this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, the Scottish government, for example, has had a, a national social enterprise strategy in place for over 12 years. Mm. It's got bipartisan support. It's had sustained funding and support in all areas of the ecosystem. And, and I think the time's right for government to start to get serious. My, my biggest concern with government is they look for an angle. Mm. <laughs> so instead of, instead of uh, supporting what we know needs to happen is we need to have a little bit of leadership development, we need a little bit of that advice and support, we need that access to capital piece, we need networks, all playing a role together so it builds from within, they usually try to look for an angle. What's the angle we can take on this? And they focus in on one small part Mm. and they never never actually round out the entire pie. And that's my my fear in terms of how government proceeds with this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting take. And just before you mentioned uh, Scotland having that policy in place, we were lucky to, to speak to Jerry Higgins recently about that and get his take on that too. But on that question, are there any countries that you believe are really leading the charge when it comes to social entrepreneurship or innovation? And what are they doing that you think Australia and other countries around the world could adopt? Yeah, so so for me in my area, Tom, which is that kind of rural and regional rejuvenation, Scotland are the standout. And where social enterprise has taken hold uh, is in the rural and, and regional areas. So parts of Scotland are incredibly isolated because of um, the, the, the distance but also the, the need to take ferries across to small isles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And their economies have been decimated in the last 20 years. So they've had a real driver from within to look at models for change. And what's been so impressive by the, you know, in the response that they've taken is that the, the national strategy for social enterprise in Scotland 
has been co-designed with the sector leaders. Mm. So it's not this kind of top-down, bottom-up, never talking to each other. It's actually met in the middle. And to see that in action 15 years later and how it's actually impacting the lives of these rural communities is is kind of breathtakingly good. And what's also impressive is one of the government agencies in Scotland, the Highlands and Islands Enterprise, they're kind of like the equivalent of a regional development um, organisation in, in government would be in any of our states. Mm. But what they focus on is social and economic capital being increased and driven in rural communities simultaneously mm. because they understand that if you've got a heap of jobs in an area but you're a really rubbish place to live, people will fly in and fly out. Yeah. But equally, if you're in an amazing community but you've got no jobs, people hang on and hang on but eventually have to leave. Yeah. And so as a government, they've understood that those two things need to be built simultaneously. And so what they do is they kind of have this like wrong, no wrong door policy where regardless of whether you're a community leader or a business leader, you can come to them and pitch your idea and get support to go to the next stage with it. Now, they don't care if it's a community festival. It's not, not there to, to be a big business, but they also don't care if it's, a, if it's a big business as well. But what they understand is that their number one job is to build the capacity of the leaders in that group. Mm. And so even if the um, festival falls over, there's a great opportunity to have a new conversation with that group about what they can do differently next time to build their capacity. And it is that attitude that has spawned a whole ecosystem of, of can-do in those rural communities where regardless of your you know, what you're into, whether you're an artisan or a, um, you know, you're in the, into the tech industry or you're a farmer or you're a distiller or you're a shopkeeper, you are valued as as a potential community and business leader in the future. Mm. And I think it's that kind of inclusiveness that Australia can learn a lot from. Yeah, most certainly. So are there any inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across within that area in Scotland or, you know, locally in in your area, uh, Matt, that you believe are creating some really positive social change? Yeah, look, there's some there's some amazing social entrepreneurs in Australia, and I'd hate for anyone to think that we don't have incredible social entrepreneurship in this country. Mm. And and I, I would almost call it heroic at times because people have done these things without any government policy support, any um, programs, any help from whatsoever, just naysayers all around them. Yeah. And one of my local heroes is a is a guy called Craig Marshall from the work group based out of Shepparton. Mm. And that, that organisation started as a kind of a traditional training organisation for unemployed people, but have really taken on a social enterprise pathway in the last 10 years. And they've built their earned income streams to, to a tune of around $24 million of turnover. Mm. And and they do stuff like traffic management and event support and event hire and recruitment services and, um, you know, the, the traffic management when they're doing big infrastructure projects on highways and things like that. Yeah. Now, that, that organisation employs over 250 people, of which about 40% come from a marginalised background, mm. but they don't even consider that part is, as the impact they're making. 
the impact they're making is about the million dollars of surplus that they pour into youth development programs to break the cycle of of intergenerational poverty. Mm. And so, in our region, we've got a we've got a social enterprise that is directly donating into social programs one million dollars in our region, and. Um, it's under Craig's leadership that that organisation grows and grows and takes on more contracts and bigger contracts each year. And, um, you know, to me, he's a he's an unsung hero. Mm, it's really, really inspiring, that's for sure. I'll make sure we, we'll stick a link to his work or the, the work of that organisation at the bottom of the article. So to finish off then, Matt, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Well, the one that the one that's really good to read around the social enterprise side of how people are changing the world is The Power of Unreasonable People. Mm. And that's um, that's John Elkington and i trying to remember the name, Hardigan, uh, Pamela Hardigan. Yeah. And it's a great book because, you know, they're people cha- challenging the status quo and doing it in, in such a way that you go, oh, my gosh, the, the, the admiration I have for the journey you've been on is quite inspiring Mm. but it also kind of shows you about you know there is a pathway emerging and if if there's one thing about that book is that there is that kind of cult of 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 the social entrepreneur but Mm. but what's being increasingly understood as the momentum around social enterprises builds is it's about having an entrepreneuring team around you and if you read that book you know there's the identified social entrepreneur but it's the people that they met along the way that actually was the team that allowed that entrepreneur to get that scale and, and brought a success. And, mm. and to me, that's the critical piece. In all of our communities, we have people with business acumen. We have people who are great community builders. We have great uh, entrepreneurs within government. And we're not accessing those in a kind of a team-like way. And that book was was the one kind of time where I go, oh, this is about actually getting the right people around you. Mm. And and the the other one is not a book, but it's a podcast, and it's the um, the Tim Ferriss show. Oh, uh, yep, yep. And, and um, he's got a, a, a new uh, a new book called The Tribe of Mentors. And it focuses on people who are interested in change or at the top of their game in all sorts of fields. And every time I'm in the car, I get something out of one of those little podcasts. It's fantastic. Mm, I was just listening to one of his the other day, uh, which was which was great. So I can relate to that. Well, I think there's some really fantastic resources there. And Matt, very, very much appreciate you sharing your generous insights and your time today. So thanks so much for joining us. And we'll most certainly look forward to to hearing more about your journey as you progress and to seeing you in Edinburgh later in in the year. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for the opportunity to, to share some of our insights, Tom. We really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.